Well, please open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, a very famous story, a true story, an important story. Daniel chapter 3, this is God's word. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot 
that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. How'd you like to face a test like that? Well, we do, minus the fiery furnace. I mean, everybody gets pressured to do stuff that isn't right. It may be the pressure of thinking, I need to save some money and I can do it if I just cheat on this. It may be thinking, I need a good grade and I can do it if I just cheat on this assignment. It may be that you're in a different environment than here, you're back home and there's pressure from friends or family or neighbors to do things in order to fit in. Nobody wants to be laughed at. Nobody wants to be cursed at. Most of us, however, aren't facing a situation where the government is forcing us to worship another god or be killed. I want us to think about the temptation that these fellows faced. All the big people, all the important people, all the Satraps, prefects, governors, treasurers, all the big shots were there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were big shots too. They had been made big shots in the kingdom because they were not only shown to be very intelligent, very knowledgeable, but they were with Daniel. And Daniel had been the one who interpreted the dream 
for King Nebuchadnezzar. And when he did, he got his friends promoted with him to help govern the whole country. This did not go over real well with everybody else. And so here came the perfect opportunity to get back at those guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are summoned along with all the other big shots to come to the dedication of a giant statue. It is 90 feet high. That's nine stories high. Okay? 90 feet high. Almost twice as tall as the climbing wall. It is nine feet wide. Okay? It's not a pole. It's a statue. And this statue is covered with gold. Very expensive building project. But it is a golden statue, 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And it's set up on a plain, a flat area, so you can't miss it. There's no way you can say, well, I, I, what, uh, what statue? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It was evident. And then an announcement was made to all the people who had assembled, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among the people who assembled. An announcement was made that people must all bow down and worship that golden image when the music starts. Well, maybe I won't hear the music. I can say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, was, was this the time? Nope, not the way it works. Because they give a list of the instruments. I mean, it's an orchestra. All these instruments are going to start playing at once. And so there's not any question of what you're supposed to do or when you're supposed to do it. Everybody knows. Now's the time. Uh, there's one other thing. If you don't do it, you're going to get killed right away. You're going to get thrown into a furnace of fire, okay? I mean, literally burned alive. So what do you do? Uh, well, what if... What if I uh, bend over, but I don't really worship? God knows my heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. I learned that from the book of Samuel. So these guys were familiar with the book of Samuel, and, and they could have thought to themselves, well, God will see that we're not worshiping, really. We're just trying to preserve our lives so we can serve him. Okay? I'm going to be honest with you folks. Every time I think of this story, I think that in all likelihood, I would not have bowed down and worshipped. I would have bent over to retie my sandals. Understand? See, I mean, I, there's no way I'm going to worship one of these demon gods. No way. No way. But why should I die? I mean, let's just see if I, I can stay down here while the music is playing. I'm bent over. I'm working on my laces. 
I'm, I'm thinking, no, I need to retie that again. Okay. Anybody relate? You ever been in a situation and you don't really want to do the bad thing, but maybe if you could kind of make it seem like you're doing what everybody else is doing, you know? I mean, they don't have to know that you're not doing the same thing they're doing. You're just kind of trying to make it look like you fit in. You know, yeah, I'm with you. I don't really think that joke was funny. I thought it was dirty, but I'm going to go ahead and laugh at it because I don't want to be rude. Uh, Everybody else is engaged in underage drinking, and I know that's not okay. So um, I'll just have a cup with a non-alcoholic drink in it so that I can stand around at the party looking like I'm drinking. Maybe I'll even get one with an alcoholic drink in it and just not drink it, you know? Because I just want to fit in. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I just want to look like I belong. I'm sure none of you have ever faced that temptation. Actually, I'm sure you have. All of us get into situations where in order to fit in, we're pressured to do things that we know we shouldn't do. And the question is, are you going to go ahead and cave to the pressure? And, and walk a line, I won't do the bad thing that I know I shouldn't do. I'll just try and make it look like I'm part of the gang. These guys didn't do that. They stood tall. If you're, let me just tell you something. If you're really serious about obeying God, you're not going to bend down and tie your shoelaces while everybody else is bound down to worship a demon. Not going to do it. When I was a teenager, I wanted these girls from Laurenburg, North Carolina, who were visiting Montreat, to think that I was really cool. So, you know, I, I didn't do drugs, but but if they thought maybe I did, that would add a bad boy mystique. Okay? The girls seem to be going for it. You just have no idea how alluring a 14-year-old Jim Wood could be. One of the guys in the group, it turned out, was jealous of the attention I was getting, and so he decided that he would invite me to come up to his room at the Assembly Inn in Montreat. So I went up the fire escape and came in through the window at the end of the hall. Why? Because I'm bad to the bone. I mean, why come up the stairs like everybody else? Go up the outside of the building. It wasn't breaking and entering. The window was open. They didn't have air conditioning. So I went in that way. Third floor. He had told me which room he was in, and so I went to his room, and he 
said, hey, thanks for coming. I said, you bet. He said, I'll be back in a minute. And he went downstairs and he told the youth advisor, there's a guy in my room. So the youth advisor came upstairs and he said, hey, I'm so-and-so, can I help you? I said, I was just here to visit with some of the kids. They were kids, I was 14, but they were kids. He said, well, um, you need to leave. And I said, I don't, I don't think so. I said, I was invited by one of your students. He said, well, I just said you need to leave. If you want to visit with the students, you can go down to the lobby. So I went down to the lobby, thinking what a jerk he was. I had no idea what that guy had told him. I thought maybe they just missed each other or something. So I'm down in the lobby of the inn, and the girls are gathered around, telling you. We're talking, and after a few minutes, I'm told that I have to leave the property. Well, I was furious because I liked this audience. Those girls were cute, several of them. But I got up and I left. And there's actually more to the story, but what I will tell you right now is that I was accused of having stolen, I think it was $10 from that guy's room. See, the youth pastor said, uh, check and see if anything's missing. And he said, yeah, I'm missing $10. So naturally, I'm the prime suspect. And now all my efforts to appear like a bad guy are working against me. You understand? Eventually, the next day, the guy admitted that it was all a lie, that he'd invited me up there, that no money was missing, etc. But by that time, the chief of police of our little town had shown up at my house. It was a small town. Think Mayberry, only smaller. Okay. So I decided that weekend that it was idiotic to try and make people think you're bad when you're not. You've heard of a wolf in sheep's clothing? Okay. That's a, a bad person that pretends to be good. I was a follower of Jesus who was pretending to be bad. Stupid. I mean, for one thing, it's a terrible witness. But for another, you can get in all kinds of trouble and you've got zero credibility if you're trying to tell people, oh, no, 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 I wasn't really being honest. <laughs> so we should believe you now? Okay, I realize that doesn't make sense, does it? No, it doesn't. If you're not honest, why should we believe you? I decided from now on, I don't want anybody to wonder if I'm telling the truth. I want to tell the truth all the time. I don't want people to find out that I was trying to deceive them. And the way to avoid that is not just to be really good at deceiving people, it's to not try and deceive people. 
these guys did what real followers of God do. They obeyed God and it made them conspicuous in a world of people that weren't obeying God. Please get that. If you are really serious about obeying God, you will stand out in the crowd. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few people travel on it. So if you're going the right way, you're not going the way the world's going. Quit trying to fit in. Quit worrying about being accepted as normal. Let them call you weird or anything else but you focus on what God says. What does he think? So the temptation they faced involved life and death. The response they gave, no compromising, no rationalizing, no deception, no deceiving, just straight out conspicuous obedience. Now, there's nothing to indicate that as they stood there on the plain of Dura in front of a 90-foot statue, they were saying, hey, everybody, I just want to make it real clear. I'm not bowing down, okay? I'm, I'm standing up, and you don't have to do that. All you got to do is stand up. You don't have to yell at people and say, hey, 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 please notice I am not participating. They'll notice they'll notice. So the consequences that came from their obedience involved being accused to the king, brought before the king, and given an opportunity for a redo. Okay? If you say no to temptation, the temptation may actually intensify. They're brought in, and now it's not everybody everywhere. It's a group of people who are out to get you. And they say, this person's not part of the group. And so you're told, is it true that you will not bow down? I'll tell you what, we're going to restart the music. And if you bow down, everything's good. You can keep your job, you can keep your life. But if you don't, if you do not do as you're told, you're going to die. There's not any God that can save you. I realize it's a religious thing. But you better get real. Because no God can save you from my hand. That's what they were told. And they responded by saying, could you give us a few minutes to think about it? No, they didn't say that. They said, we don't need to defend ourselves. Our God is able to save us. We believe he will. But even if he doesn't, 
we're not going to do what you command because that would be disobeying him. So, we're not, under any circumstances, going to give in. And the king said, well, okay, I see now that you hold these as deeply held convictions, and I, I respect that. No. He was furious. He was already angry. Now, the, the literal translation is his face changed. <laughs> have you ever had anybody look at you like they want to rip you limb from limb? I have. I've experienced that on a number of occasions. I mean, the king was furious. And he said, make the furnace seven times hotter than normal. How would you do that? More air? It operates with bellows. If you've been to my house and you've seen our fireplace, you know that next to it is a pair of bellows. If you've been to Dollywood, where they have a blacksmith shop, you've seen the bellows at work. It is a means of pumping air onto the fire, which generates more heat. So if you crank up the heat source to seven times normal, you're going to have a fire that will melt things like metal. In, in fact, it was so hot that some of his strongest soldiers who were assigned the task of tying these guys up and throwing them in the furnace, the soldiers who threw them in died just from getting that close to the furnace. It was that hot. Now, if I was one of these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I would be praying that perhaps Nebuchadnezzar would have a stroke before he could, you know, carry out the sentence, or that the soldiers would drop us before we get to the furnace, or that, I mean, God, please intervene. And about the time that they're tying your hands behind your back, binding you with ropes, I would not only feel uncomfortable, but quite honestly, I would feel a tremendous amount of fear. And there's nothing to indicate that they didn't. But no matter how they felt, they weren't crying out, okay, 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 we changed our mind, we'll do it. They were ready to die rather than sin. So they're thrown into the fire. And suddenly, something's changed. The king jumps up and he says, didn't we throw three men bound into the furnace? And I said, yes. He said, I see four men unbound, walking around. And one of them looks like a son of the gods. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come forth. They're like, okay, 
And they walk out. They walk out of the furnace. And all the people who were there to see them killed gather around them and are like, they, they look fine. Their clothes look fine. Their hair isn't even singed. And they don't even smell like smoke. There is only one God who is worthy of worship. And Nebuchadnezzar and these other folks suddenly realized we're not dealing with a religion. We're not dealing with a concept. We're not dealing with a cultural preference. There really is a God who is above all gods. Nebuchadnezzar, who obviously was a narcissist and an egomaniac, and a demonized, violent man whom God had put in charge of the government. Don't forget that. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to show that he still had power and authority to kill somebody. And so he said, if anybody says anything against the God that these men worship, He is to be cut in pieces and his house turned to rubble. See, I still hold the power of life and death. Don't you love Nebuchadnezzar? Well, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Two things happened for those guys in the furnace. They got promoted after they got out of the furnace. And they were already among the top officials. Now they're even higher. But two things happened for them while they were in the furnace. There were a bunch of things that didn't happen. They didn't get burned. Their clothes didn't get burned. Their hair wasn't even singed. But... One thing got burned, the ropes. The ropes got burned. It emphasizes three times in this text that they were bound and cast into the furnace. Even Nebuchadnezzar mentions that. But all of a sudden, they weren't bound. That's possible that the one who looked like a son of the gods, was busy untying. I don't think so. Because given how hot the fire was, those ropes couldn't last. The ropes got incinerated in the fire. And if you obey God, you may go through a fiery trial, but what's going to happen is that that which is bound you will be destroyed. Don't be afraid to obey God. Some of you are still bound by the enemy. But if you will resolve to obey God, the ropes will be destroyed. The second thing that happened is they 
met the Lord in a whole new way. I hope that on Friday we can sing There Was Another in the Fire. Because that's what that's about. God met them there. They experienced an intimacy with God that you only experience in the fire. So, when you are not afraid to die, you can really live. You can live a life of obedience, free from compromise, free from deceit, You're free to really obey once you know you don't have to fear death. Joseph Son, the Romanian pastor, was asked, how did he get so many people to courageously stand against the hideous evil dictatorship of Ceausescu? That they had a nonviolent revolution except for the part at the end when the mob killed Ceausescu. But here's the thing. When they asked him that, he said, first I had to find a group of men who weren't afraid to die. That's what it takes. The fear of death. You say, well, I'm not even thinking about death. I just don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be unpopular. I don't want them to unfriend me. Well, you poor thing. I feel so badly for you that some people don't like you. Get over it. For goodness sake. Even if you don't know Jesus, that's a stupid way to live. Don't let the fear of the crowd control you. Trust Jesus and let his spirit control you. What matters is at the end of our lives to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're aiming for. We want to please him. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So, if you're not afraid to die, you can live fearlessly, you can live courageously, you can live honestly, you can live obediently. I pray that you will live that way. It makes decisions a whole lot easier because you don't have to think about what about this or what about that or what of this. All you have to think about is, Lord, what would you have me do? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Not about how I'll feel, not about what they'll think. It's about what does God want? What does God want? Well, if I do what God says, I'm going to have to die to self. Yep, that's what Jesus said. So let's go. Let's follow Jesus. Father, thank you so much for loving us magnificently, for giving us life.
that is everlasting and abundant, that has purpose and meaning. And thank you that even though we can do nothing in our own strength, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, once again, Lord, we would yield ourselves to you and ask you to live your life through us. In Jesus' name, amen.